Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hello everyone, welcome to the Cold Popsha Podcast. Uh, I'm Richard Martin and I'm, as always, joined by AJ. Good morning. Good morning, mate. Good morning from the COVID-free, beautiful country of New Zealand (laughs) where both you and I um, reside and feeling like the smug um, up ourselves Kiwis that we are, Richard. You know, we don't need to associate with anyone and say like central europe right now <laughs> i'm is... here i'm here to spread covid <laughs> oh, to your no! beautiful little island oh no <laughs> uh, if this actually happens we're gonna have to remove this episode <laughs> uh yes we're joined today trace by... it back to this podcast <laughs> uh we're joined today by carlisle uh carlisle laurent who uh That's me is a musician slash podcaster in luxembourg uh, I'm currently in Luxembourg, yeah. yeah, and we're we're in a bit of a a bit of a we're in we're in deep water over here <laughs> in terms of um our COVID. Mm. We were doing really well, and then people just started having like hundred pe- person parties, mm. and now we have one of the highest incidence rate rates in Europe. <laughs> so something to be proud of, maybe. Good. Um, so, Carlisle, we, we've had you on before you came on to talk about Spy Kids with us with um, your sometimes co-host for one of the thousands of podcasts you host, um, Charlie, <laughs> who could not make it for this episode, but you could make it, and that's what's important right now. So, welcome to the Absolutely. show. We'll let you plug, um, let's say we'll let you plug 10 of your podcasts at the end. Okay. But, All right. Well, but we can, choose. We I'm probably gonna, can't do all make of a top 10 list in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is Film Franchise Fortnites. Uh, this is well, what is this, Carlisle? What's Film Franchise Fortnites? <laughs> well, uh, you want me to explain the concept of this ther- series or the yeah. series that we're talking about? The concept today? of the of Film Franchise Fortnites. Well, every fortnight, uh, you and AJ get together on this podcast to talk about a film series in its entirety. Uh, sometimes this is an enormous undertaking, such as when you did The Land Before Time. Um, sometimes it's a more manageable undertaking, like today, when we're doing the Brave Little Toaster series. That's a trilogy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it deserves yeah. the, the honourable title of trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> and not just three movies that got made. Uh, what an excellent segue into today's topic, which is... The Brave Little Toaster. Uh, now, so this consists of three films, as it is a trilogy. That's The Brave Little Toaster, The Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue, and The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. Um, there is, and we just have, this just has to be addressed right at the top. Um, <laughs> there's 
a weird inconsistency with this franchise um because yeah you heard me right goes to mars there's one of these films (laughs) um and if you look on like wikipedia you'll see that it lists it as the second film in the franchise and you think where does the franchise have to go after that and clearly to the rescue yeah to the rescue was the only way to one up leaving the planet a toaster leaving the planet so what actually happened so the brave little toast came out in 1987 it was followed by a sequel in 1997. That sequel was Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue. Um, and then a year later, Goes to Mars came out in the States. And then a year later, To the Rescue was released in the States. Because um, To the Rescue was released in the UK and other regions in 1997. So, um, yeah, it's just... It's the second film. Sorry, the US, you fucked it up. Well, we watched it in the wrong order then. Well, at least I did. I watched I, the I American also watched, order. I was about to ask, yeah. Yeah, so we watched it in the US order. Um, but but then... L- largely, it didn't matter because they're just... No, Carlisle, so I could not disagree more. It mattered <laughs> dramatically. There are characters, several characters introduced in, in To the Rescue yeah. that return so, and goes yeah. to Mars. And watching Goes to Mars first, I was like, who are these people? There was only one where, where I was watching goes to mars and i was like this is an enormous character clearly that i have no idea who he is and everyone's like you know this guy I th- our friend from before <laughs> i thought uh, i just forgot him from the first film yeah. yeah um but it does um but then uh take this with a grain of salt maybe or you know take this how you will but um the reason that the films were released out of order in the states is because the second two were worked on at the same time and goes to Mars was just finished first. Um, which doesn't make any sense because <laughs> to the rescue was released first elsewhere in the world. Um, yeah. So, and also as we've been saying, chronologically in the story comes before. So even if you do finish one of them off, yeah, first, first, why do- would you release it? And, the, and what's equally as frustrating is these films do not need a continuity. They, yeah. <laughs> They don't need. They shouldn't need to be watched in a certain order. And in fairness to the American release order, that's probably what whoever was in charge of that decision <laughs> assumed as well. But no, yeah. it's very important to watch it in the order we didn't watch it in. Uh, so um, let's let's not go too f- too much further down without uh, talking about what these films are about. Uh, okay. Who wants to take the first film? I will. I'm gonna. I'm dibsing. Goes to Mars. Okay. So you. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> no, fuck. I've got. <laughs> I'll go to the first film. Okay, okay. So the Brave Little Toaster um, is a very. It's a very American franchise. Ironically, being that it's apparently not American, and American fucked it up. But like, this no, is it just. Is, a, it is American. Oh, it is American. Right. Well, that makes sense. It was just okay. The it makes sequels, sense. That they fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is all just just a um, a way to explain that to Kiwis, this is not a very familiar franchise, whereas I see it yeah. talked about in American pop cultural circles a lot more than in New Zealand. Yeah. Pop cool, I'll just circles. strike that massive talking point off the... Before you guys invited me to do this, I'd never heard of these. Wow. Interesting. There you go. Just go, just um, go over the plot and then we'll talk about our experiences. With them. Okay, so the first one is about a collection of appliances including one brave little toaster (laughs) this is your inventory (laughs) one brave little toaster one vacuum cleaner who's the only character not named after the appliance he is his Uh, name is kirby 
Yeah, well, he's a Kirby vacuum cleaner. Okay, but why isn't the other... The, the Brave Little Toaster's <laughs> brand probably I guess isn't Brave there's Little. No, there's no favourite... There's no, like, champion brands of toasters in America at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there is also They don't one... have the monopoly that Kirby has. <laughs> <laughs> there's also one desk lamp. One uh, radio, as in like a like the radio you'd listen to music on, not like a walkie-talkie, which is probably <laughs> what you assumed. Um, yeah, that was a weird um, clarification. I, w- I once worked for a walkie-talkie company, and so they we used radio a lot, so I was just clarifying for anyone who also works for a walkie-talkie company. Who <laughs> may have been um, confused. <laughs> and uh, I think the only other main character is the is an electric blanket whose character design is very generous to what an electric blanket looks like. Um, And they live together in a abandoned house, (laughs) presumably at the start. Um, Waiting. Yeah. Cabin waiting. I think they say they've been waiting 2000 days for their master to return their master being a little boy who used the appliances um and so after after getting a hounding from the the air conditioner who's um played by phil hartman um the doing a jack nicholson impression yeah the brave little toaster um who i'll be honest he's little I don't think he's particularly brave. Not at the beginning. Well, Maybe he becomes. I think the brave. whole point of the film yeah. is that he earns the title of brave. Mm, okay, I don't think he's the main character by any stretch, though. I don't think there is a main character, so it felt weird to focus on him. Anyway, yeah. they decide they're going to go find the master, um, and from memory, they don't have any clue. They just <laughs> leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any leads, and they they leave the house. Um, they go on an adventure where they encounter several um, critters, like forest critters. Um, in a weird scene, um, they cross a waterfall, or they don't cross a waterfall. Actually, they fail crossing it. Um, they fall into a swamp. They get uh, pulled in by a junk collector who's um, going to sell their parts, but they escape. They sort of find their master's home miraculously uh, before being um, taken to the dump before they can reunite with him. Um, and then at the dump. Um, or the what's the, what are dumps called in, in other countries? Landfills. Yeah, landfills. It's, it's like a salvage yard, sure. a junkyard, a junkyard. Um, so they at the junkyard. Uh, one of the most extreme things I've ever seen happen in a movie <laughs> happens, uh, where this movie where the stakes at the highest of the stakes have been the toaster might die. <laughs> All of a sudden, uh, the master who goes to the, the, the junkyard when he hears word that is that there's good appliances there um, winds up on a conveyor belt heading towards like a garbage compactor. He's like trapped on it. Um, and he's going to fucking die. Like it's going to yeah. be grisly. Uh, and <laughs> no one knows what to do. He can't move. He's, his hand's stuck under a pipe. All the other appliances are going crazy, but the brave little toaster has a vantage point from above. And so he makes the decision, the very brave, and if I might, uh, not that little decision. It's quite a big decision. Um, to 
dive <laughs> to, <laughs> to stop the the thing with his face. He jumps into the the cogs, the gears mechanics of the, the compactor, and you see what must have been a horrific image for any child who was a big fan of this movie in the eighties, which is the toaster now faceless, just being <laughs> like grinded between the cogs, and he manages to stop it before it crushes the master. The master gets out. He finds all his appliances. In my opinion, he doesn't dwell on on the massive coincidence that he's found all the appliances in a junkyard where he didn't the, yeah, go. Oh my god! It's for insane, the reason. Hey? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he finds the toaster as well, and somehow the toaster gets fixed. And so somehow the brave little toaster has returned. Um, and, <laughs> and it ends with them. Um, he's going to college. It's very Toy Story 3. This whole franchise is very Toy Story-esque. Um, and they they are all together again as the master goes to college with his girlfriend, who's a woman of colour, who is replaced with a who, white woman. Who will always be a woman of colour. <laughs> <laughs> is it, yeah, he either gets a new girlfriend or they... It, it is the, it is the she, same woman. She, she bleaches her skin. Um, yeah, she appears to be dark-skinned in the first film. Uh, and the director described them as an interracial couple. Uh, however, in the second film, she is <laughs> now has blue eyes and white skin. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The the tone of this one because the the next two, well, the second one, and I'm saying the second one chronologically there to the rescue is much more kind of kiddie, is much more kind of what I expected from these kids, but it was much more kind of Toy Story-esque mm. kind of child relatable. Tomas defies categorization in all ways mm. and we'll get to that later. <laughs> but this one the tone is so weird. It's terrifying. Yeah. This is such a... This, so in the beginning, the opening music is like horror movie music. I thought I was about to be murdered in a forest when I was watching it. <laughs> as well, it's like it's like set to like this dark, rainy night. And you just see... A, you literally see a cabin in the woods with a low tritone <laughs> playing on a, on a cello in the rain with lightning. And I'm like... What the, what is this? <laughs> Who's gonna kill me? Um, and then it's yeah, this normal movie. Well, I say normal. And then later they run out of that. They've managed to get into the forest. The way they've largely been traveling is they use a portable battery to power the vacuum cleaner, and he pulls them along. And they get to a point where that battery's run out of power, so they sort of camp for the night. And the toaster has a nightmare where a clown <laughs> attacks him, like an evil killer clown. It's he, like it, he rises up, so he's like this towering figure. And then he genuinely <laughs> kneels down to the toaster and goes, run. And like, <laughs> it, why did that happen? It doesn't inform the plot at all. That all happens. The toaster runs away. This knife runs off. This clown runs after it with a fucking knife. Mm. Then the toaster wakes up and they like... There's a lightning storm happening. They've lost the blanket. They're like, oh no, how are we going to deal with this? So the lamp decides to, what I thought at the time, kill itself <laughs> by offering itself as like a conduit for it, like as a lightning rod so they can power the battery. <laughs> Later as well, when they get into the, um, when they get into the secondhand shop, they're collected by that guy who runs a kind of electronic shop mm. and just sort of 
um, guts old material for parts and then sells them as if they're new. Mm. There's a lamp in there. That there's a ceiling light in there who is played by the same guy, I believe, anyway. Otherwise, it's like the exact same voice. Uh, the guy that plays the evil doctor in the Looney Tunes. It's actually um, Phil Hartman doing a voice. Yeah, oh, really? doing an impression yeah, yeah. of Peter Law. Right, okay. What that character it sounds do you know the Looney Tunes character that I mean? Um I've heard the voice a thousand times. I think yeah. because it's a it's a iconic character that people, yeah. yeah. It, it's one of those well, yeah, that a- people people impersonate him a lot for those kind of roles. That um Genie does Genie does him in, in Aladdin as well. Mm. Yeah. There's an evil doctor in, in the Looney Tunes that kind of, you know, um does evil experiments or tries to trap people to do things. And like if that was Normally, in those scenes, he's offset by Bugs Bunny, mm. you know? So they're not terrifying. <laughs> but this, there's no Bugs Bunny in this ensemble no. of blanket, toaster, vacuum, or whatever else. This lampshade comes down, it's just like, you're going to fucking die here. And it's, <laughs> it's so terrifying. And then later, there was the bit that you described where the toaster, again, seemingly just kills itself by diving into these gears, grinding up while the while the master is screaming for his life because yeah. he's being slowly dragged towards a trash compactor. <laughs> this film is terrifying. And, and that's, that's the thing, is like, um, I kept thinking to myself through all three movies, but the trash compactor moment especially is like, imagine finding out the truth to this situation. You go home, you tell your um, woman of colour wife, who will always be a woman of colour, that, um, <laughs> that like, oh, I nearly died in a, in a trash compactor. And she goes, how'd you get out? And he's like, I don't know. And it's like, well, the answer <laughs> is your toaster is in love with you. From Your toaster from childhood um, <laughs> feels, feels hopelessly devoted to you and actually killed itself to try save you, um, which yeah. would be an insane piece of information to be revealed. <laughs> Um, what what I thought was interesting about the characters in in the, the this film is that um, the most I'd say the most distinct personality out of the main appliances is, is probably the blanket. Who, if you haven't seen the films, I would describe as having a very similar personality to Piglet from uh, Winnie the Pooh, mm. like very very timid, um, very shy. Um, and voiced by a little kid. Voiced by Eric Lloyd. Who? Uh, and, and, the, and, and the two and three, not two and three. Oh, okay, never mind. We'll save that fun piece of, of statistics for later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, when you've got a piglet character, you kind of need a Winnie the Pooh character, right? Like the one they look up to. And I was like, right, so the toaster will be Winnie the Pooh, but the toaster fucking hates the blanket for <laughs> yeah. most of the <laughs> Yeah, there's a bit when their first night in the, um, in the woods. And the blankie's like, oh, you know, I'm used to sleeping next, cuddle next to someone. And everyone's like, fuck off. Yeah, including Don't try the and toaster. cuddle with me. Even, and then it's like, oh, the toaster will begrudgingly. And the toaster's like, get bent. Yeah. Um, and it's, the whole thing's it's like, just. It's a blanket. Like, like, surely you want to sleep with it. And the, yeah. the whole thing's weird. And here's the. And I know this was made before Toy Story, but here's why Toy Story is better than the Brave Little Toaster. Is that. Here's that one way, one place and way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, it's, it's because kids have a connection to toys. I don't give a shit about my toaster. I've never yeah. given a shit about my toaster. The blanket should have been the main character of the story. It the should be called the brave blanket. little plank- blanket because a it would kid have just got has torn to shreds in the cogs, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have. But but even even that though is still like a more 
defined character arc than what the toaster goes through. Yeah, the amount of um, yeah. shit the movies go through to be like, nah, he loves these appliances. It's insane. I don't care about yeah. my vacuum cleaner. I only care about my blanket for practical reasons. Like, I... There's, <laughs> there's a bit early on where where they're still in the house before they've decided to go out and get him because they're bored of being in the home for, I, yeah. I looked it up, five years. They're, bo- um, they're bored of their, their literal purgatory. <laughs> yeah. And the, 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 the air conditioning unit in that house is like, you shouldn't care about, he doesn't care about you. And they say to him, you only say that because he didn't play with you. And I was like, fucking what? Get this kid some toys. Why is he playing with his toaster and his vacuum? Who are these, who are these parents? Yeah. Love your child more, Jesus! It's so strange. It it it's such a stretch, and it tries to make it like, oh, it's a relatable experience for anyone. Like you know, you toast it. Like from the, when the, you're a kid. the girlfriend does. Um, the woman, woman of color who always be a woman of color. Um, <laughs> does mention a few times like it's weird that you're into these things. That's true. like throughout the series. I mean, um, so um, our experience. So Carla, you'd ne- you'd never heard of this at all. I'd never heard of this at all. It was an extremely weird thing to find out exists and then watch in like one day. And AJ, God. AJ, had you seen them before or anything? I okay. Watching the second two, I was like, "Oh my god, I've seen these before." <laughs> but right. I, I, I didn't, I didn't recognize anything from the first one. But I have the vaguest, vaguest flashes of things happening from To the Rescue. I remember one thing that happened in To the Rescue before I saw it. And um, there's a song in Goes to Mars that I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm four years old again. Like, I've been teleported (laughs) back. Um, But no, I'd never seen the first one before. Right, yeah. The first one was one of those movies that I know I've definitely seen. And watching it again, there was um, a few kind of images that i was like yeah, that's right um but my kind of main knowledge of it like you said it's more of an american thing like we don't mm. we it's not as um you know quintessential over here um because it was one of those things like because this this is um, brought to you by our patreon it was, it was suggested on there and it got like some of the most likes we've ever had mm. um and there's obviously a lot of listeners in america and, and on our discord were like yeah brave little toast like oh man those movies like that's my childhood right there. But, you know, we don't have that kind, kind of same mm. attachment to it. So hopefully we do adjust us for all these yeah. people. That, um, but it, it is my main kind of knowledge of it and and knowing where it kind of exists in the nostalgia sphere is, like, this movie's famous for, like, nightmare fuel. And yeah. you mentioned the clown scene and even, like, the, yeah. the air conditioning unit's death, how he, he essentially... They make fun of him or they, they kind of, they anger him and he goes nuts and essentially explodes, uh, like killing oh, yeah, himself. yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and that's like, <laughs> yeah, that you know, well. a reasonably traumatic scene, especially if you're a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Is it um, based on a book? Yeah, it's based on a book um, yeah. called The Brave they Little Toaster. Uh, they no, all are. No, the second one's based on a sequel. The, the, to the uh, Sorry, Goes to Mars is is the sequel to the book. Uh, and I think there's only one sequel yeah. to the book. So To the Rescue is an original story. Damn. Because here's here's my theory for, for how... <laughs> I'm not prepared. I'm, I can't believe we live in a world where the original story is To the Rescue and the one that's based on the book sequel to this book is t- to Mars. <laughs> 
the here's I mean we'll see we'll say why later. Here's my here's my theory for the conception of the Brave Little Toaster as a concept. Is I think it literally was just a kid who never had toys. Because to me I should have called it the kid who never had toys (laughs) because the the journey they go on in the first one it feels very like off-brand it feels like your story about appliances like living appliances should be like an adventure in the kitchen you know i think goes to the rescue or to the rescue was a more was what i more expected from the first one in terms of where the adventure took them but that part in the first one where they meet all the like like forest animals i was like this doesn't feel like it's the same thing this doesn't feel like i should be watching these appliances traverse the great plains you know like and i think that it feels like someone who never had toys and so they played with their toaster and then they'd never got the idea out of their head <clears throat> out of their head and then they made a picture book about it um which I think it's a novel what <laughs> <laughs> okay well i don't know i like we we have skipped over the first hurdle of the series and explaining it which is what do you mean there's a series about a toaster <laughs> you know yeah. i feel like we need to at least acknowledge that everything about this is ridiculous it doesn't have an it doesn't have a sense of identity the fact that the animals talk to the appliances to me is like i feel like they shouldn't understand each other why do the animals understand yeah. the appliances yeah. like that they they also establish and i wish they didn't they establish that it is possible for a human to discover that appliances are sentient uh they don't ever it's just you know they like close their eyes and hide when a human turns up whereas i feel like this would have benefited a lot more from sausage party rules of humans just can't conceive if they take bath salts they can see yeah 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 they they can't conceive the appliances as living unless they take bath salts (laughs) that would be a great just a little addendum at the end of the brave little toaster. <laughs> and then the master took some bath salts and was like, that's why the toaster saved me from the gra- <laughs> from that compactor and the magnet that I guess was trying to fucking kill me. The magnet was just doing his job. No, the magnet also, had a my grudge. current appliances that I've bought since I moved on from these ones that I went back to get are all dicks, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's one yeah. thing you find out on bath salts. Um... So uh, the production of this film was uh, um, this in the mid eighties, I guess. Um, uh, a young man named John Lasseter um, approached his uh, studio heads at Disney and pitched uh, the Brave Little Toaster as a two D three D hybrid film. Um, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, that sounds kind of cool." He produced a short, like a proof of concept little short based on where the wild things are. It's available online. It's kind of interesting. Um, it's like essentially very you know rudimentary 3d backgrounds with 2d animated characters over the top of it um and they were like oh yeah cool um how much money will this save and they were like well it will cost the same amount they were like well then why the fuck are you doing it like this um <laughs> and they said no and then they said um john can you come into my office and then they fired him <laughs> um and then he was like i'm gonna start my own company and he started pixar um and then, so they decided, he, he left the production. He wasn't involved in the production at all in the end. But, um, so Disney passed on it, but they did, like, finance it, but it was made outside of, like, the studio system. So it was technically, like, an independent movie. Um, but 
using money from disney um and then like a week or so before production they slashed the budget from 18 million to 5 million um but it was made by a bunch of uh graduates from cal arts which um uh the famous kind of uh, animation school uh where a lot of them studied in the classroom a113 which is Mm. a number featured in every pixar movie and it's also the master's um room number in this film um so many of the animators of this would go on to work at pixar joe ranft is a um one main example who became quite a big player at at pixar um so the similarities to toy story are more than just the concept yeah yeah Yeah. all right so should we go to the rescue this feels like it was like a like a trial run for yeah toy story yeah if even just before. just pixar toy like, story is the objectively better experience because of that one thing aj said yeah yeah okay the thing. thing i said is pretty fundamental though like <laughs> obviously it's not the only thing but kids care about toys more than toasters i'll go on record saying that oh, toaster's pretty good <laughs> i mean have you seen any uh, stuff like pops it like pops out that's mm. true it's crazy fun that's true um so uh, should we, we'll just go to the rescue next because it's the where the story actually goes next. Um, okay. Oh, sorry, AJ, did you not want to do that? Well, no, okay, we can, we can. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking, is it not um, congruous to the experience to go through them in the order we all? Watch I, mean, them? I like, I like either way, but it's like, you know, not neither way is particularly like, oh, you know. Mm, okay, well, no, let's do to the rescue then. <laughs> just, just know that we watched this after Goes to Mars. Um, I, I mean, we can do Goes to Mars. No, nah, no, nah, mate, you, 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 you're running the show. I'll follow you to the ends All of right. the earth, dude. <laughs> okay, um, to Mars. <laughs> That's uh, too far. I'll come to the rescue, though. <laughs> okay, so uh, in Brave Little Toast is the rescue, um, the master is now um, finishing college, and he's got a um, a beautiful girlfriend mm. um, who is um, no longer a woman of colour. Same race as before. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. White as the driven snow. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so he's working on his thesis, which is about like the secret lives of animals, uh, cause he's working on animals. Um, and he loses his thesis, which was, what did he say? 260 something pages, 264 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, then the, the appliances are like, oh no, let's like rescue his thesis, um, the titular rescue they go on. Um, I can't that's the, that's the movie. Is the, what's the, what are they rescuing? A thesis. <laughs> A digital file. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's the, there's this whole plot of um, uh, Rob, the master's lab assistant, uh, wants to sell the animals that he's been like tending to as part of his court, as, as part of a study, um, to like you know an evil corporation who wants to sell them um and then so the appliances discover this um old supercomputer the only one ever built um and whose needs a, a tube um and then they give him a tube out of the radio yeah which is um, the, that's the one scene i remembered from this movie was the radio killing himself to, to yeah. give over his life source wow yeah and then they managed to get the thesis back 
they save all the animals and um it ends with rob proposing to chris his his, his white very like like they also they made his girlfriend whiter than him as well like his, his skin tone's actually lighter than his um mm. and he's already pretty white um he proposes to her and she says yes and gives him a tube that's apparently very hard to find um and they drive off into the sunset after fixing fixing the radio after they fix the radio yeah see the thing is this movie puts forward to you the um the sort of uh trolley problem-esque thing of like is the thesis more important than the radio's life and by every measure they go yep what well, is? <laughs> it is in real life. It is in real life. It absolutely would be if if the only thing stopping me from getting back a thesis I lost was a battery in my radio. I would absolutely gut the radio for it. But it's, <laughs> but I don't know. It's sentient, and it, it just I don't know. It's again. It's like this. This these these films make you try to make you care so much when yeah. you shouldn't care. <laughs> He still doesn't know that the that the radio sacrificed. No. Obviously, he couldn't that the radio sacrificed its tube. But he's still really bummed about the radio <laughs> being broken to the point that when he proposes to his girlfriend, which he does a fucking pants job of, by the oh way. Oh my god! I know. He's so, just like, oh, by the way, it's so uh, yeah. bad. <laughs> do, do you want to like maybe uh, marriage? Um, so th- he he proposes to her. She says yes, and he's like, great, and we'll have a oh, and then he like frowns because he's even though his girlfriend just said. <laughs> Yes, to his proposal. He's thinking about his radio. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah, oh, and there's a bit as well that like um, because because when they find all the animals, um, and then in the back of the van for some bizarre reason, uh, a toaster, a lamp, um, a blanket, and a vacuum cleaner, and he's like, but "Where's the radio?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the same items he had as a child which he coincidentally found in a junkyard are now coincidentally also all being stolen like he he yeah. recognizes the coincidence enough to note that the radio is missing yeah, well, like, like like who goes yeah wait why would someone take a toaster lamp vacuum cleaner <laughs> and blanket and not take a radio <laughs> And it's like, the, he also should be realizing that something is significant about these objects that, that, that mm. they keep showing up in his life. Because then, and it's spoilers for the end of uh, Goes to Mars, their child, um, as on Christmas Day, brings the vacuum cleaner and the toaster and shit all into the lounge <laughs> for Christmas Day. If I was the master at this point, I'm going like, uh, what? How does the kid know that these things have some kind of, you know, <laughs> destiny-esque attachment to my life? <laughs> Would you, though? Because think about it, though. What we're talking about is a, a vacuum cleaner, a radio, an electric blanket, a toaster, and a lamp keep showing well, up. Well, yeah. Even if... And they do. I'm not going to deny. They do keep showing up all the time, everywhere. Imagine if you denied that. But even if this was my life and that was happening to me, I wouldn't jump to the idea, maybe these things are sentient and I've not been appreciating that. They love me as much as I love them for some fucking reason. I don't think he would realise they're sentient, but... Like if if this ke- if this happened to me, the same toaster kept showing up. I'd be like, "What the fuck, man?" I'd post about yeah. it on Reddit. That's yeah. probably the extent okay. to which I'd do anything yeah. about it. 
This, I didn't like this one at all. Mm. Oh, this is the worst one. Because the the first one is so confusing because of like the weird, awful, dark tone of it. The third one is batshit insane. (laughs) This one is so boring for most of it. There's the bit where the radio kills itself and you're like, well, hey, stakes. But the rest of it, I didn't care at all. Mm. Um, Only when insane things were happening. Like, there's a bit where... In the beginning, they're, like, having a party all together, and it's... So the situation is, they're all a little bit jealous of the desk lamp, because he... The master takes the desk lamp to the dorm, Mm. while the rest of them stay in his veterinary practice, where he works on his thesis and stuff for, for uni. And... They're they're having a party in the veterinary practice in the beginning, and then the master is going back to his dorm. So they're like, oh, you better get back to the dorm so he doesn't notice you're gone. At which point the lamp jumps out the window, and you can see him relative to the car, and the lamp runs faster than a car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which was pretty fun. Um, What do you guys think about the... the, um, one thing that really stood out to me has been really weird in the last one, but it's true of all of these, is that a great amount of... Well, I say a great amount of care. The, not really, but an, an, an amount of care has been put in to anthropomorphize these things a little bit to give them human features for faces, except for the radio, which is just mm. a radio. Mm. It doesn't have eyes or a mouth and stuff that it talks through, whereas everything else does. Yeah. I think my biggest, I have two big problems with the anthropomorphization of the objects. Is one, again, comparing it to Toy Story, the toys in Toy Story communicate and talk yeah. with what they have, right? Woody sure. Woody has a mouth. Woody has eyes. These these movie this these movies give the appliances mouths and tongues and teeth and eyes. And it's like do they have organs? <laughs> what is going on? Like it implies too much. Where instead of like, like it would be better if like I don't know. They were, I I would prefer it if they were all like the radio and they just had certain dials which that would represented be so creepy. Eyes. Can you imagine? Or the toaster just like pops toast with script written on it. <laughs> <laughs> imagine the first film, yeah. but like that. That would be terrifying even more so than it already was but like they also sleep and they thirst and they you know like there's they are human they it is not it is not like these are just um metaphorical faces that they give them to so they can communicate the idea of the story better they have a physicality and and a like a an ecosystem to the the Mm. way they live maybe it's like beauty and the beast kind of rules where Mm. they've actually got humans trapped inside of them because oh. there, you do see the TV, and he's like a man living inside the TV That's who was able to communicate. And maybe it's yeah. like the same thing with the radio, mm. um, where you know he's. But also the because um, the guy the the TV still has some human traits because he has a big filing cabinet full of porn. We see. <laughs> do you guys see that? No. When no. he's trying to so the the. And look it up. There's like so the um at Lo- the end of the film when- little toaster porn. The filing cab. No, you don't want to put in just. <laughs> oh porn my god! You're gonna get other things. Um. So yeah, he's uh he's trying to convince the master to go to Ernie's disposal to because he knows whether that that's this where is from the first film. The toaster and whatnot have gone. Um. Yeah. And. He, like, pulls something out of a filing cabinet, and it's a naked woman with stars covering her nipples. Like, it's very clearly 
there. It's not trying to be anything else. It's not like it's just blatantly mm. a pinup model with um <laughs> yeah with well I've nipples. I've got two segways in front of me and I'm going to take one of them. But if if after I say this we can return to the naked model segue. Um, <laughs> But the first thing I want to segue to is I said there were two things that bothered me about the anthropomorphization of them. The second thing is there are multiple female-coded appliances in the series yes. that have um, parts of their body that are supposed to re- like resemble breasts, oh complete with, with yeah. nipples. One, <laughs> oh, my the, God. One of so the notes funny. that I wrote um in the first film was can you tell who the only unambiguously female character (laughs) is that's right it's the one with rotating tape yeah yeah uh one of them is like a tape recorder it's tits like (laughs) yeah and 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 goes to mars richard you messaged me about this do you want to it was an it was an uh to the rescue um that yeah like these 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 characters come in their their computers but they just have like disc drive titties and oh my god, it's it's the photo on our Instagram <laughs> yeah. if you want to have a look for to the rescue. Yeah. But oh my god, I like I choked on what on my food. It, I, it was yeah. so funny, man. Because they, but they're, they're like they come in on like four legs. Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I didn't understand what those objects were supposed yeah. to be. What were they? Were they hard drive? What, uh, what did they, you they, like, they sing a song. Computers, I guess. Some they sing of... a song about being the superhighway to the internet. It's a it's a movie that was made just as the internet <laughs> became very big, and yeah. boy, yeah. is it proud of that fact. Um, <laughs> um, I do just want to say, but you mentioned about the, the the few characters that are that are definitely female. Um, did you did you guys think that the the toaster itself was female at any point? I know that the toaster is played yeah. by a female. Yeah. I flip flopped on that. Yeah, because it is it is referred to as he, but the the director of the original said he he was always he always conceived it uh, as a female. Um, but apparently another like, another crew member slammed the door and walked out because he'd hired a woman to play the <laughs> to play the toaster. Um, but like, because in the toasters film- are boys. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's it's a common thing to get to get a woman to play like a. a young sounding boy um but in the second and third film they, they're not really trying to make it sound like a, a prepubescent boy it's just no. like oh yeah this is just a, a female voice hmm. yeah but i'm yeah, saying interesting i noticed so back to my segue juncture my nexus point um the the naked lady the the, the pornographic reference in the first film and goes to the rescue no to the rescue he doesn't go to the rescue he goes to the to mars <laughs> to the mars <laughs> he just go he's just to the rescue um at the end when they get the the thesis back it's because the the supercomputer um sends a surge of power to the computer that lost the thesis um to, yeah. to try and like <laughs> scrub his memories uh, and the computer reacting to this has a very visceral <laughs> um like sexual experience from this happening it's it's not like a little bit sexual it's not like it's not like you'd watch this with your kids and be like that's a little bit too much he goes like oh oh god he's searching through my files it feels good (laughs) what i wrote wrote down is first i wrote um (laughs) 
And then I wrote down, is Wittgenstein giving this computer a toss job? Because that's really the energy yeah. that you get out from this. Yeah. It's really uncomfortable. It's very sexual in a way that, um, I'll say it, it doesn't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing a hard line in the sand there. <laughs> I, would, I would love to, if possible, to stop talking about the Brave Little Toaster to the rescue. And move on to the brave little toaster goes to Mars. The yeah. film I'm here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. But I do just want to mention that um, adding further um, fuel to the release date fire. Um, so on, on Wikipedia, it says brave little toaster to the rescue. It says um, it says it was released in 1997 in the United Kingdom by Walt Disney Home Video and released in 1999 in the United States. It was also released the same year in the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say right at the beginning, there's a bit where they're driving in the car and an old song comes on and a newer radio. Oh, and Chris's girlfriend is his her no her name's Chris. Yeah, the master's girl. I can't remember what the master's Rob. name is, but Rob McGowan, Rob, Rob's girlfriend, Chris. <laughs> says, huh, it's like the songs that play on your old radio, which makes me think that she thinks that old radios play old <laughs> songs. Well, I think the radio does. Which made me much angrier than I should have mm. been. The radio, by the way, uh, that's all I wanted to say about in that. that first film is played by John Lovitz, but he mm. does not play him in the second film or third it, film. It took me two uh, but, films to notice that it wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> but the I, I didn't notice that the at all. blanket <laughs> is played by Eric Lloyd in the sequels which makes this our second franchise to star Eric Lloyd uh, because he's the he is too Santa kid from the Santa Claus <laughs> <laughs> um does it one thing is really weird about this as you were you went through the release dates earlier these two came out 10 years yeah. after the first one, and they look the same. They look exactly the yeah. same. I believe they came out the next year. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, 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 the, the two and three, it's worth mentioning as well, were straight to video, um, whereas yeah. the first one had a limited theatrical release. Before, Carlisle, before you regale us with the plot for The Brave Little Toaster Goes yeah. to Mars, I think it might be cool to preface it with a theory I have about, similar to my theory about the first film, a theory I have about the conception of this film. I think I'll say this, you'll describe it, and people will know what I mean by by my theory. Right. So I think it's 10 years roughly after the first Brave Little Toaster movie. It's kind of an instant classic, apparently. Um, I'd never heard of it, but there you go. Um, and so they're like, right, well, let's make some sequels. And so they get their little brain trust together. Um, they come up with five, ten sequels. And then Disney is like, you can do two. And they're like, right. well, instead of picking one idea, let's make one of the films five of the ideas. Because <laughs> The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars is a space adventure movie. It is a um, political uprising it's movie. It's a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, and then it also just functions as its own like separate 
just a sequel as well. well it's, it's like, a, there's a baby now movie. There's well. a baby. Exactly, Richard. I'm so glad you're on my wavelength here. <laughs> um, because that this is what this movie feels like. It is... It's got such an identity crisis as it tries to be a hundred different plots at the same time. Um, well, it's, and it's like none a whole them, season of the TV show that would have been based on the Brave Little exactly, Poster. and none of them are 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 like connected. There's no connective tissue to each other. the The political uprising doesn't need to happen on Mars. The baby no. doesn't need to go to Mars. <laughs> like the, you know, none of these things. You could you could, you could cut Mars out entirely. Mars the is the least relevant thing in the whole movie. <laughs> if anything, it dilutes what is otherwise kind of a compelling idea, um, which we'll get to as you explain the plot for it. Please, Carl. Yeah, as you as you were making the point there, it, watching this film was physically exhausting <laughs> because everything that could happen in so it's seventy two minutes. It's long. the weirdest it's movie. It's going to take me at least half that to say what happens <laughs> in those seventy two minutes. It's the densest thing I've ever. It's seen. the weirdest movie we've ever watched for the podcast. I I will I will. Put the, draw that line in the sand. It is the weirdest yeah. movie that film franchise Fortnite's has ever covered. So, at the beginning of this film, all of our favourite appliances are there with Ratso, who's a rat who was acquired from the last film. Yeah, which if you um, haven't seen there, the last and- film... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though he's not the most alarming character. That's Wittgenstein, the, the supercomputer that we discussed, mm. but I'll, I'll mention when he comes in later. At the beginning of the movie... Um, whatever his fucking name was, I've already forgotten. And Chris, now married, are coming back from the hospital with their newborn baby. All the appliances are looking out the window. They're like, what's this thing? The blanket's like, I hope it fucking dies. <laughs> Take it back. I don't want to share it. He doesn't say that verbatim, obviously. <laughs> but the blanket is like, the blanket's like, get this thing out of my life because I don't want to share the master with anyone. So, but eventually they warm up to the baby and you get a nice little montage of them kind of, in, you know, growing close to the baby and it being the new master, their new kind of master. Uh, they spend some time mocking a hearing aid who just lives in a drawer <laughs> and is old and they're like, you're, you're shit old, you're a bad hearing aid. And he's like, don't bully me. And they're like, make us. So time goes on. Time goes on, and eventually, they, for no good reason, they don't trust the hearing aid. It turns out later that that was a warranted response, but nothing, <laughs> nothing led them to think we shouldn't trust this hearing aid. It was just good old, I don't know, elitism or something. <laughs> anyway, they notice that he's not where they think he should be. So the little toaster starts following the hearing aid, at which point they find out that the hearing aid goes to a windowsill at night and talks to the sky, implying that he's either talking to aliens or is one. (laughs) Just to Um, clarify, Carlisle, you said talking to the sky and not talking to this guy, which would have made more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The hearing aid is 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 sort of talking to beeps that he's hearing from the sky, the night sky. And he's saying things like, you got to do it soon. you got to do it as soon as you can. Um, 
So the brave little toaster sees this and he goes and warns the other. He goes, that guy we hate for no reason is doing a thing I don't understand. Let's stop him. At this point, the baby wakes up, um, crawls out of its crib and walks up the stairs to this room. What an enormous coincidence that is. At which point, so the, the hearing aid sees all this hullabaloo and goes, you gotta do it now. You gotta do it now. Please, please, please. And then the baby gets beamed up to space. Now, um, pause, so pause. Th- you're you're the right. master, right? Uh-huh. You wake up one morning, your baby is fucking missing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've lost my kid. You call up and the- e- like, Even worse, your toaster, your lamp, <laughs> and your- I was about to say, this would- That would be, where's the kids? Where's the toaster? <laughs> like, that would be- <laughs> you, you, That would be this guy's You reaction. call up the police. It's, you know, it's a nationwide <laughs> search. My vacuum's missing- <laughs> The the reason now again spoilers the child gets back to Earth thanks to the You're toaster. Really stepping on Carlisle's toes here. Adrian. Well, no, I just I want to make a point. <laughs> well, no, fuck his toes. <laughs> fuck his toast. <laughs> the child gets back to I Earth with the toes. help of the appliances at the end, and the parents are none the wiser. But like, imagine if the if one day went past before the child came back and the parents had a whole day not worrying where their kid is. Oh, sorry, worrying where their kid is. <laughs> not knowing where their kid is. <laughs> worrying about their toaster. Um, he comes He comes back to Earth. They're like, oh, my God, we found you. They're like, so what happened? And then they find out it's because he was abducted by a hearing aids alien <laughs> um, and then your toaster and your vacuum cleaner went to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> to save him this is a this these this trilogy spits in the face of Occam's razor like this this the the most likely like thing is not what happened what actually it's happened is appliances are sentient and went to Mars <laughs> anyway continue so the baby gets abducted so the baby gets abducted all the appliances like, dude! And the hearing aid was like, it wasn't me. I was, well, I, I didn't want the baby to get taken. I wanted me to get taken because I hate you guys, <laughs> uh, which is fair enough. So they're like, well, why did they take him? He's like, I don't know. So they get their calculator friend. They plug him into the hearing aid, which I guess is also a recorder. And they play back the beeping that they hear. They decode it into binary. That's what they say in the film. Don't think too much about it. Don't think too much about it anything they decode it into binary and then it prints out just the word mars on the calculator <laughs> so they go they go all right well i guess we need to go to mars and they all agree we definitely need to go to mars to get the, the baby back before the master wakes up and he freaks out about the baby being missing does, does anyone know how to get to mars no oh uh, well do you know who might know our old friend from college Wittgenstein. now if you like me and i know you two are like me you watched this film before the second film this was really fucking weird when they get on the phone no they like skype Wittgenstein over the computer who's this old supercomputer is like sure i know how to get to fucking mars you need a microwave a ceiling fan and something a, a laundry basket and something organic and they're all like yeah that makes sense so they go they take down the ceiling fan from, from the house from the, the ceiling fan's a lady i don't know why that one was genius. the ceiling fan is a lady uh without great big tits mm. so there mm. you go um 
the ceiling, they, they, they take the ceiling fan down. The ceiling fan, by the way, the ceiling fan's like, don't take me down. I'm a ceiling fan. I want to be up here. And they're like, we have to go to Mars. And she's like, oh yeah, cool. Well, in a, in <laughs> a way, going no, to space no is, is an upgrade from the ceiling. And if a ceiling fan's <laughs> greatest takes, want is to be on the no ceiling. no convincing that where they're going is Mars. <laughs> anyway, they, they take down the ceiling fan. They go to laundry basket. They set up so the ceiling fan's like on top. Um, with the microwave in the laundry basket. And basically how this works is if you cook something organic in the microwave, it will power the ceiling fan so incredibly much that it will fly into space. So See, that's, that's, they get all some... this stuff would be really charming in like a kid's picture book. Sure. But in a movie, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that's so basically half of my notes are what the fuck is going on i just wrote that down several times throughout this film yeah um so yeah they they get some popcorn they put it in the microwave and they start flying up into space uh meanwhile it's the rat's job to (laughs) tie up the baby monitor so it doesn't alert the master to the change so the rat is just abusing a baby monitor throughout this film every now and again we just get a a look back in (laughs) uh but yeah so they're flying off into space uh the crew that we all know and love plus a ceiling fan and on the way to space, there's a completely irrelevant mm. song about balloons. This this is the scene that I remember that I didn't know I retained a memory of. Um, so the <laughs> balloons in space, essentially the, the idea is that when you let go of a balloon, a helium balloon, and it floats up into sky, into the sky, they all just go to space and they sing a song about floating away. And one, they all, I think three of them tell their testimony in song. And one of them, the one, the one thing I remembered from this, well, actually I remembered something later on, but one of the only things I remembered from this film was, um, this, this balloon who's got a, t- a Texan accent um, who was at a fear um, and was let go by a child and flew up into space because the child waved to like a someone riding a, a buffalo or something down in the in the in the in the like stadium, and the the lyric is he waved to Bill he waved to Bill <laughs> and like that that sent me back. 22 years that line i was like oh my god it was like, bill, like he, he waved to bill i remember that line uh, uh, but yeah, yeah and one of them yeah. was at woodstock as well mm. yeah yeah and there's the whole right. thing about like the the biggest miracle of woodstock was that peace was possible at all something like that <laughs> and look songs and musicals should be um we've talked about this before should be emotional crescendos that move the plot along this is the definition of not doing that this is a song (laughs) that is in there because it's a funny concept and they never come back to this again no it doesn't it doesn't matter at all this Mm. (laughs) so yeah while they're flying around they go boy isn't this nuts and the hearing aid goes not really who came with them (laughs) Um, this is all just the theory. I can't remember exactly what theory is. It's one of Einstein's theorems. I'm going to call it the theory of fucky wucky. Um, it's all just the theory of fucky wucky because I know that because I'm one of Einstein's old hearing aids. Dun, dun, dun. Okay? How he ended up with Rob and Chris. Well, because they, they live at Albert Einstein's old house. Do they? Is that? Did they say uh, that? It, according to the Wikipedia page, it's implied. It says, <laughs> being married and new, and having moved to one twelve Mercer Street, which if you click on there, it says the Albert Einstein House. 
uh, and Princeton. Well, that explains Hunter. why the hearing aid was in that drawer. Yeah. They didn't clear it out. <laughs> but I mean, like, just, you can't just move <laughs> into, like, a historical fucking landmark <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, this anyway, is a post-apocalyptic so society, that, Richard, but that part doesn't come into the story. They're, they're flying to space. They're oh, going sorry, no, the, the house is they now get... a private residence, so you could, I guess, just live there if you wanted. It's like the, the pizza house from Breaking Bad. <laughs> They, they get to Mars, but due to the inborn defenses of Mars, vis-a-vis missiles, they biff the landing a little bit, and they kind of all get sprayed, sprayed around. When they land on Mars and kind of recuperate, they are greeted by a Christmas angel, <laughs> This is whose name is Tinselina. This is 20 minutes into a 73-minute movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is also like so, so when when this character came in the, it felt to me like um last year aj and i did a thing where we pitched like christmas sequels to um to like every film franchise we've done and there was some where aj was like th- th- that's like it feels like you had to shoehorn christmas into it and and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you didn't do that for any of them <laughs> um but it's like yeah, the, this one, it's like, oh, I don't know, Brave Lord Toast goes to Mars, and while they're there, they meet a Christmas fairy. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, they, they're greeted by Tinselina, who is in some sort of relationship with one of the Mars <laughs> rovers. Um, it's like a father-daughter relationship. It's not a romantic yeah. thing. All right, that's not, I got the other, <laughs> anyway, there's a Mars, yeah, there's Mar- Mars rovers around, and they talk to them for a little bit, and they're like, hey, have you seen a baby? And they're like, yeah, we saw a baby. He went over there. He was in a bubble. Because for some reason, they make a real point of sticking to the rules that humans can't <laughs> breathe in space in this. Well, because they couldn't. Which, that's why they couldn't bring rats out, because he, he wouldn't mm, be able to breathe. Yeah. 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 They really stick to this idea for some fucking reason. Nothing else about this is realistic. Why well, are you I don't think being anyway? kept alive in a soap bubble is particularly realistic. <laughs> Well, that's part of the problem. Why bother? (laughs) So they're like, have you seen a baby? And Tinselina and the various Mars rovers are like, yeah, we saw a baby. You know, the baby in the bubble. That's so it can be kept alive. He went over there with the other guys. And they're like, what other guys? At this point, an army of toasters walks in. And you're like, and but when I say army, I definitely mean army in more than one sense because there's so many of them, and also they're all carrying weapons. They're militarized, like rockets, yeah. yeah, and yeah, and they say, and so the toast, understandably, you know, are the the appliances we've been following for three movies. They're like, well, for us, like one and a half movie. Um, they're like, who are these guys? And Tinselina, just like it's nothing. It's like, oh, those are the military toasters. <laughs> Uh, those are the military toasters and they're like what 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 are you talking about she's like okay let me tell you a story um so these guys here are the wonderlux appliances and then we go into a real story the backstory of the wonderlux appliances let me tell you it's juicy so this the, the wonderlux best, appliances. this is legitimately the best part of the movie i thought yeah, i thought this sure. was the best idea Except for the fact that they go to Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Wonderlux appliances were made by a company I assume called Wonderlux. Um, and this is where there's a moral imparted into this film, which is an anti-planned obsolescence moral, mm. because these appliances really hated the people who made them because they made them with the intent to fail, you know, planned obsolescence so they could sell more units. Um 
Realising this, they kind of rebelled and planned to get away from Earth, where they would later return to wreak havoc and destroy all humans. So, and then so Tinselina's like, well, how do they get off Earth? And Tinselina says this real quote, which I had to pause the film because I was laughing too much. This is what she says. The Wonderlux appliances were quite adept at the principles of rocket propulsion. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other explanation. <laughs> Yeah, so they make a rocket and they go. So, okay, the idea of the the sympathetic (laughs) villains being appliances who rebelled against having planned obsolescence built into them. That is a nugget of a great idea. And I think (laughs) if the Brave Little Toaster movies were more about the lives of appliances and not just movies that don't seem to realize they're about appliances. Like you, you could, you, and other, other than like nouns that are used to describe the characters, they're essentially animals. The, the appliances, they yeah. should be animals. They should be kittens and puppies or something. That would make a lot more sense with everything. This, <laughs> this is the one thing where it's like, if these were more self-aware, if these were toy story movies, then the villains being jilted from society because they've planned obsolescence. It's a cool idea. Planned obsolescence that clearly was not programmed into the brave little toaster (laughs) who has been alive for about 36 years at this stage. (laughs) So, yeah, they... (laughs) So that's the story. And I remember thinking, they don't... They just they just lay that out as fact that these Wonderlux appliances were really good with rocket propulsion. Mm. Uh, but then she's like, and you know they've got this really brilliant supreme leader. So I was like, oh maybe he's like a rocket or something. They told them no, he's just a big fridge. He's freezer. a big fucking fridge. Just man. a real fucking big <laughs> fucking fridge absolute freezer. unit. But nothing, nothing, not different from any besides size. Nothing to suggest he knows anything about rocket propulsion compared to any other fridge freezer. I don't know how you get that mm. image across from a fridge freezer, I guess. But anyway, the fr- <laughs> so, so they so you hear all this backstory. The toaster and 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 co go to the sort of meeting where they're there and be like, "Hey, that's our kid. Can we take him and get out of here?" And they're like, "No, that's our prisoner, and we want to thank you for bringing us your prisoner." And we're like, "What? What do you mean prisoner?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're going to destroy all humans." And they're like, "God, I wish there was something we could do about this." Uh, clearly, this guy who's in charge is kind of insane. And they kind of they appeal to all the Wonderlux appliances, all the various ovens and toasters and fridges who are militarized against humanity and Earth. Mm. And they say, "You know, I like humans. They're nice to me." And I watch them. They go, "Wow, I never thought of it like that." <laughs> and they kind of <laughs> this is this is stop. where the film gets like political yeah. and yeah. it feels like it's trying to make a statement but it's such a ham-fisted attempt at a statement i don't think the filmmakers know what they want to say however yeah. i still think the brave little toaster is in the wrong i think the, <laughs> i think the the wonderlux appliances bar destroying humanity have a right to be angry it's like it's like we're the original mad. thanos yeah yeah it's it's they're like we're mad because we're enslaved and the brave little toaster is essentially like no you should being a slave is great you should love being a slave yeah i love he uses, my master who look, he literally calls his master in velvet. Yeah. he he uses the term employ he says if they hated us why would they employ us now the definition of him being employed is being paid for a service <laughs> they are paid not paid in room and board <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so 
So they're like, God, what, how are we going to, these guys are all too scared of the big Supreme Leader. How are we going to deal with this? And Tintalina's like, well, you could run for Supreme Leader. There's an election today. And I remember when that happened, I was like, boy, isn't that fucking convenient? But it's not actually convenient yeah. because to, to instill faith in all of his followers, the Supreme Leader runs an election every day. Which so- really made me think. It really made me think. Imagine if n- national politics did that. What would happen? You would be like, I feel like every day a different result would would come out. <laughs> so, so doing this, the toaster runs for election, and they 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 we get really good. Um, so they they give their spiels. The the supreme leader is like, this is he's like, I'm the supreme leader. Thank you for listening. And the toaster's like, people are nice sometimes. I like it when they touch me. And everyone's like, well, that's that's a new take. Uh, so <laughs> they get one question each. And they're like, Supreme Leader, why do you want to be Supreme Leader? And he's like, I just fucking do. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then they're <laughs> like, hey, toaster, explain this Einstein theorem. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. And they all start laughing at him for not being able to explain this Einstein theorem. But then don't you worry. Remember that hearing aid they came with? You accidentally summoned the aliens, but they weren't aliens. They were Wonderlux appliances. <laughs> he's like, no, I get it. So he takes the stand. And he starts to explain the Einstein theorem while the toaster kind of slinks away and kind of just goes on goes on the platform. That, hey, wouldn't it be nice? So he goes away to vote. This is all done think- in song, by the way. <laughs> I did, oh, yeah. We didn't mention that this entire scene you've been describing <laughs> is a song. Um, and also the baby touches the fridge at one point and he turns from um, a baby blue. The, the fridge turns from a baby blue to a, a baby pink. Baby pink? Is that what the... <laughs> Their colors sure. Um, yeah, sure. And why not? that he turned so briefly turns sweet and loves the kid, but then turns back to evil. Uh, and that's the other one scene I remember from the film, yeah. from when I was four year old. So yeah, this <laughs> from watching. In it case, two days ago. in case it wasn't clear to anyone at this point, this is very dense. There's a lot going on <laughs> in this election, but yeah. So the toast is kind of worming his way into people's minds by going, "But what if we were nice though?" And everybody going. Oh, Okay, interesting. Uh, So he goes away to vote. He votes for the Supreme Leader because he's not very confident in the performance that he's given. Uh, But then the vote comes in and they come over and they're like, guess who won? He's like, I know it was the Supreme Leader. Like, no, silly. You won. You're the Supreme Leader of the Wonderlux appliances now. You're the the king of Mars, the brave little toast. (laughs) So the yeah, the, he goes back to talk to his people, and the the fridge is the supreme leader is like, I want to con- congratulate you personally. So they go, and I I'm willing to believe I just misunderstood this next part. So I need you guys to confirm no, it for me. You understood I, it, okay? So they go into the fridge. They and go like inside in him. <laughs> yeah. All right. They go inside it, but then there's like another fridge. They it's, open the fridge again. It's inside the fridge is sort of like journey to the center of the earth. Like there's yeah. a whole other, there's like yeah. a frozen ocean they have to they have to um, cross. Um, and at the end of the frozen ocean, oh no, they go in an ice cube tray, but it's a huge ice cube tray. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
so and eventually they get to they cross all this ocean and they get to a little island where there's like another fridge or something and they open that up and it's a it's a hearing aid identical to the one that came with them and he's like brother brother that's right it's einstein's other hearing aid who was using the supreme leader body as a puppet yeah to brainwash like the possessing- <laughs> so this this calls into question is this something that can happen in the science of the Brave Little Toaster universe. If one appliance goes inside another appliance, (laughs) do they then not only possess them and control them, but give the other appliances faces? Which then leads to the question, how do we know who's an appliance and who's not just an appliance within an appliance? Yeah, like if he leaves the fridge freezer, does it become a normal fridge freezer who also has their own personality? I think it does. Anyway, they they get to a. They're like, oh my god! And he's like, yeah, you guys coming by and me seeing, you know, this cute little. It made me realize I got kind of insane up here. And they're like, yeah. So I'll let me help you guys get back, and we'll just hang out on Mars and not try to kill all humans. So because he it's because he was the hearing aid for a Nazi for a wee while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they they take they plan to take him back with them, right? Or do they leave? Yeah, the no, they're aid. taking all yeah, the. They, all the they take both there. hearing aids back. So they reassemble their their spaceship, that being the ceiling fan, a laundry basket, and a microwave, um, and they start to take off. But oh no, they forgot to disable the ground missiles for, t- <laughs> for their takeoff. They've got the baby with them now. You know, the mission accomplished, I guess. So they, so yeah, the toaster sacrifices himself, jumps out of the laundry basket so he can stop the missile going. Off he goes with the because- hearing aid as well. Yeah, because yeah, the the new hearing aid, well, I guess they're both old. The one that we just found the out ex, about. The the former Supreme Commander of Mars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Knows the abort codes, and only he knows the abort codes for the missiles for Mars. So they, To destroy they Earth down. because appliances were mad at humans and escaped yeah. to Mars. <laughs> and the, they say... And the people in the in the basket are like, we have to go back and get him. Like, no, we don't have enough organic material. If we go back and get him, we won't be able to get back to Earth. And the Tinselina is like, no, don't worry. My hair is real human hair. Which, first of all, ah, and <laughs> second, <laughs> and my dress is uh is goose feather. I think goose down. So, so yeah, they we can go get him. So they, yeah. yeah. So the toaster is forlorn at this point. He's like, yeah, no, I'm staying here forever. But I did my part. I got the little monster back home. <laughs> the toaster is stuck on Mars. <laughs> These fucking For statements, all of man. 30 seconds, if that, because as we said, this is a 72 minute long movie. And I feel like I've been explaining it for at least that long. So they get down to the sort of cliff edge precipice and he's like, jump. So the toaster uh, and I the hearing aid, I guess, jump back into the laundry basket and Tintelina very shamefully removes her hair and dress and is like, don't look at me. And they put it in the, <laughs> they put it in the microwave and they get back home. And when they get back home, they're all like, yeah, we did it. By the way, the, the hearing aid, not the hearing aid, the baby monitor nearly gets free. Well, he does get free and he alerts the, the, um, the master, Don, whatever he was. And the, <laughs> Rob <laughs> and Rob, <laughs> Rob, and so they're now they're on the clock. As soon as they land, they're like, "We got to get the baby in the crib before he notices that he's gone." Um, but yeah, so they get down 
and they're like, yeah, we did it. And Tinsley's kind of down. They're like, what's wrong, Tinsley? And they're like, no, nothing. And so they all go away. And Tinsley, meanwhile, is like, I don't deserve to live. And throws herself in the fucking trash. <laughs> and she throws herself into the bin. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, they don't notice that. They run inside and they're like, oh, God, no, the, the master's up. The, 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 the baby monitors sold us out. I feel like they could have just, because the baby monitor in this is also sentient. Mm. So surely they could have been like, "Hey, can you hang out?" Because he doesn't have any lines. Mm. <laughs> Ratso just ties him up, and they're like, "Don't do this." And like, surely they could have been like, "We're gonna go get the baby back." So could you just chill? Yeah, because they don't, if they anyway. don't have a baby anymore, they have no need for a baby monitor. So it's like, <laughs> if we don't give this baby back, you're done for, mate. That's a good point. Like, yeah, so it's 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 in his best interest to play along. So they 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 get the baby inside the house but uh rob gets to the crib and he's like oh where's the baby but at that point the baby comes crawling into the room they're like oh god he can walk he got out the crib and stuff so that's all happening is happily ever after and then we fast forward a bit and it's christmas morning because why the fuck not and the baby kind of hops on the bed and they're like oh i guess it's christmas so they go down to unwrap all their presents at which point as as aj alluded to earlier the baby is like let me get all my friends and pulls the vacuum cleaner the radio the toaster and the blanket into the room and i guess the lamp who And I must have been involved in this story, but I can't remember. I can't remember anything that he did. But anyway, Mm. um, they yeah they they pull he he pulls all the appliances in, and uh, the the master's like, oh, why is he doing all that? Isn't that crazy? Isn't it happy? And they're like, and Ratso in the other room is like, oh, I'm not involved. But then he's like, let's get Ratso, and Ratso's like, yay, I'm involved. (laughs) And they bring him back in. And then they unveil the Christmas angel that they put on the train. They're like, where did you get that? She's like, I found it in the trash. You know, in my habitual digging through the trash that I Doesn't the baby Um, find it in the trash? (laughs) I remember it that way, but maybe that's just a more logical way to (laughs) to imagine. Um, You also forget that the baby speaks its first word. Oh. oh yeah! What, oh yeah! He says toaster or something. <laughs> yeah, he says toaster. <laughs> he and says and toaster. at no point does Rob go like, "Man, this it's toaster is pretty fucking weird." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, then Christmas ends. Uh, we get the the credits, but then in a mid credit sequence, there's a zombie Ooh. uprising. No, there's not. No, uh, but I wouldn't surprise me because fuck um, <laughs> everything that could happen in seventy two minutes happens in this film. It is exhausting. The goal to end anyway. it on like a Christmas message, like the whole movie's been a Christmas movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's so tacked on, really, isn't it? Mm. Fuck. What else is there to say, really? I think. <laughs> Yeah. Th- thank you, Carlisle. That's probably the most like intense play-by-play of a film we've ever done. It's not probably. It definitely is. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what did you guys think of the films overall? Uh, <laughs> I think the, I the first know. one does have like a charm to it, and I can kind of see if you grew up with it, how you could be nostalgic for it. You know? Yeah, it's it's just too weird for me to like. It's too weird and unaware that it's weird for me to like it i think ultimately i liked it i liked it at the start when they were just in the cottage i thought that was cool i wish the whole movie was like that vibe Mm. yeah so i i i gave the first one a straight down the road score on on letterboxd Mm. and my letterboxd review for it was nothing has ever made me question if i was actually alive more than this film (laughs) has um 
the second film I didn't like at all. It was just, it's just risk, so yeah, slow yeah. and boring. This one, I didn't give it a rating because I don't know how I would. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I have no idea how to feel about this. Yeah, if I was to it's watch comp- one again, it would be Goes to Mars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it, yeah. is it a good movie? No, but is it a interesting movie? Absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's like, a train I, never, wreck. I didn't turn it off. It, like, yeah, the second it's, one. it's 72 minutes as well. It's, like, it's worth your time. Hmm. It's on Disney. The Plus, second one I turned off during it. the last song, because actually that's one thing about the whole franchise. I don't think any of the songs are very good. Yeah, I did want to mention um, that that like all three of these are musicals. They have about like four songs in each one. Do you like do you guys remember like any of the songs or He waved to Bill? He waved to Bill. I remember that. Yeah. I remember thinking that the one playing in the junkyard, when they're in the junkyard at the end of the first one all the various old parts of cars and stuff kind of just sing a song about their old lives and kind yeah, of it's like a, it's like and a work full, song kind of thing. I remember thinking that was pretty good. Everything else I really hated. And I think because those were guest stars, they kind of brought in good singers for the cars, but the rest of the cars aren't very good singers. Or maybe <laughs> they are when they're trying, but they're all doing it really much in very much in character, which means that the lamp and the Blanket sounds so annoying when they sing. Mm. They yeah. don't sing well. It's really hard to listen to. Mm. Um, what uh, what do you guys? The, the, the second film ends on a song, and I didn't finish it. <laughs> I was like, "This is the this is the end." I cut it off halfway through. Um, I didn't like it. What much. do you guys think the Rotten Tomatoes scores would be for these films? Oh my god! <sighs> oh god! I can imagine the first one being way higher than I'd expect it to be. Mm. Like I can imagine it being the thing that people latch onto and go, look at how visionary this was, or something. Like it, it was a trailblazer. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go 84 for the first one, and then sub 20 for the sequels. Okay, Carlo. Uh, 83 for the first one, and then sub 19. For the <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, AJ's closer. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, you, you go above my number, Carlisle, not below it. Uh, so Brave Little Toaster has 77 and To the Rescue and Goes to Mars both have 40. Mm. Okay, so not not so bad. Yeah. So ha- they both have 40? They're the same? Yeah. Because they're such incredibly different experiences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey. There's nothing similar about them besides the characters and the fact they're both musicals they're so different i've got some more randomly placed useless statistics richard if you'll permit me yes please so these as a carlisle i don't know how often you listen to the show but sometimes we do statistics based in the other podcast episodes we've done so yeah how the franchises relate to other franchises so obviously this is the second franchise we've done which is about sentient objects who um, are obsessed with their their master who is ghost to college at one point after Toy Story. Um, but this is also our second franchise in a row about a robot uprising. Um, so that's pretty <laughs> cool. After Terminator. Um, and so I thought I thought that was that was fun. And also um I I don't know how to word this as a statistic. But at the start of the Brave, Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars, um, they are dancing to a song. And it's a song that's it's an actual song that's playing on the radio. Yeah. And it goes, he likes bread and butter. She likes toast and jam. But that's why mommy loves him. Because he's her little man. That's not um, how it and- goes. <laughs> huh? That's not how it goes. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's the altered um, lyrics they used when they changed it for the Baby Talk theme song. For the Baby Talk theme song, <laughs> which was, of course, the TV show based on the Look Who's Talking trilogy, which I secretly purchased for $50 um, from a weird website so that I could watch them all for our Look Who's Talking trilogy episode and surprise Richard. Um, and you know I, what? I did not care. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a impressed. nice it's a nice little feather in my cap to say I've watched all of the Look Who's Talking sitcom. Yeah. It, um, it goes, uh, he, he likes bread and butter. He likes toast and jam. That's what his baby feeds him. He's her loving man. Oh, well, it's pretty similar then. Yeah. Anyway, it was. But it is I was... funny that like <laughs> exposing yourself as knowing <laughs> the, only the baby talk version. <laughs> so that's that's another fun idiosyncrasy with a previous franchise. Uh, I do have a couple of pieces of dumb IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, it is ironic that Lampy, who is physically bright, is not that bright mentally. And yet it is he who figures out nice. a way to save Radio's life. Well, he's he's not not bright. <laughs> what? <laughs> that That's such a stretch. Like, you know, like... The- I think in the first film they try to play into the idea that he's stupid, but yeah. not in either of the sequels. I didn't pick um, up on that at all. All these characters he- were relatively featureless to me, except for the blanket. Yeah. Um, here's something that's... That's one thing that's very different about the first one compared to the second. The first one, I think they all have quite distinct personalities. Hmm. Mm. And the only one that keeps a personality, I think, going forward is the, is the radio. The radio mm. is a very kind of now, the boisterous... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, the the radio doesn't have a personality. He has a voice. The blanket has a personality. (laughs) You know. Jeez, okay. I I think he's always quite... The radio's quite confrontational throughout all of them, I think. Like, in the second one, he causes a problem because he breaks the special tube they need. Mm. They actually find a spare one, and then he breaks it trying to be the one who gets to say that he found it yeah um we've all at been which there. point he then slakes away kills himself and take gives his mm. tube. we've all been there uh um yeah so here's one that's actually kind of interesting but is just re- very strangely written and to read toaster voice of man in russia germany and france toaster voice by female in usa japan and denmark lampy voice of female in russia czech polish and china Lampy voice by man in USA, Japan, and Germany. Radio voice of female in Germany and France. Radio voice of man in USA, Japan, and Denmark. Kirby voice by man in USA, Japan, and Germany. Kirby voice by female in France, France, Polish, and Spain. Blanky voice of man in USA, Japan, and France. And blanky voice of female in Polish, Brazil, and Denmark on the brave little toaster language. <laughs> Is this written by a caveman? Okay. <laughs> Toaster voice of men. <laughs> a Russian caveman. <laughs> yeah. It's where most caves are found. Ooga booga. 
Ooga babushka. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a franchise, man. This is this is one yeah. for the ages. I'm glad you were able to to come and watch it with us, Carlisle, because Yeah, um yeah, man. Do, what you said to me, AJ, when um we first messaged well, Charlie and Carlisle about coming on this and you're like, this cemented why why Carlisle should be on this. <laughs> oh yeah, when when we told you what the series was called, you were like, "The brave little toaster goes to Mars." And I was like, <laughs> yes, man. <laughs> yeah, no, God, that fucking film. Uh, yeah, I'm just reading through my notes for that film again. There's one thing that I forgot to mention. Well, there's actually a lot of things I forgot to mention. If you Impossible. believe that I didn't <laughs> say everything that happened, I didn't. That's how <laughs> dense that film is. But there's one bit so when they first land on Mars and they see one of the sort of uh, they see one of the rovers and the satellites, and it's Viking One, mm. and they're like, "He's like, hi, I'm Viking One," and they're like, "Oh my god, Viking One, the satellite!" Like they're geeking out, and he's like, "No, Viking One, the bagel." Sarcastically, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's such a they're like. Normally people do that, they go for, like, another kind of profession. Like, no, Viking won the dancer or something. Like, Viking won the bagel? People have named bagels? What do you say? <laughs> is there is is Viking a bagel company, maybe? Maybe. but I'm going to look up Viking bagels. I mean, unless that's something, if you're American and you absolutely uh, it know that. doesn't appear to be, no. Uh, so it's just a really strange line. Then. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. shall we move on to continue the franchise? Please. Sure. Okay, so um, in 2012, there was like announced to be a um, a CGI sequel um, oh, yeah. being made, and everyone was like, no, my childhood is ruined. <laughs> um, and and they, they actually like released a picture of it. Um, oh. Uh, well, actually, sorry, in 2006, they um, this was, uh, they posted an image of a possible fourth film and cgi uh and that was never made in 2012 uh, there's a bunch of articles that you know it's like our childhoods are ruined because they're making a fourth one it was gonna be made by the same company that did the alvin and the chipmunks um films um and i found a uh, an ama that the director of the original jerry Rees uh did on reddit um where he talks about how he started a new store um a new uh, it's kind of it's a little bit bitter um but uh he in 2019 he started doing uh developing a new story not a remake but a proper sequel picking up right where the original left off so it's it's a classic uh you know ignoring previous sequels oh my god this is not a franchise that deserves that it does not <laughs> um, warrant that so he said true to the spirit of the original but comfortably nested in the present uh, and his dream was to do a live action CGI mix, not because John Lasseter, a good friend, hoped to do a CGI, but because I was doing CGI long before all that, um, because he worked on the original Tron. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, but uh, so he says he works on the sequel story, um, sinks much time into it, um, familiar characters, new characters, layers of substance and silliness, and then uh, people are holding the rights um, were just like, fuck you, nah. Um, and so essentially they say now nah, we're going to make our own one um you uh can get fucked um and yeah they they don't really owe him anything um but yeah so he's kind of like uh he, he but he was going to um like uh, crowdsource like storyboards and hire a bunch of like 20 somethings to work on it who had grown up with the original and was very keen on making it like um you know 
fit mm. into everything. But so this was like around the time of that 2012 remake. It's a seven-year-old AMA. So right. um, yeah, he says, okay, he's not allowed to work on it anymore, essentially. Uh, his one, he says, um, it was a time for all of us to make Toaster together. By the way, I called the sequel BLT Homemade. So I don't know if that's... <laughs> blt it would have just been called that because we haven't mentioned it but the the acronym for this trilogy is blt brave little toaster uh be a blt homo never gonna see the light of day hey i've while while you were telling us about that richard i went on a little googling tangent upon hearing of the cgi version and i looked it up and in the various images i was looking at i found the cover for the books yeah um and first of all the cover for the first book looks very different art style. Blanky yeah. looks like an old man. Um, the toaster, the like, the lever on the toaster is his nose and not his arms in, on the book cover. Uh, but then the brave little toaster goes to Mars book looks like a fucking, like, um, who wrote iRobot? <laughs> <laughs> um, like Isaac Asimov. Isaac, it yeah. looks like an Isaac Asimov book cover. It's like, <laughs> oh my it's God, like the right. toaster. You have to look this up, guys. Everybody look up the cover for the brave little toaster goes to mars book it looks like dune it looks like frank herbert's the brave little toaster goes to mars <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my god it's it's very dystopian oh yeah yeah yes fuck. oh my goodness it's like a philip goodness. k dick book yeah. yeah like the first one is like oh that could be a picture book the second one is like that's a chapter the book. military a- toasters are so terrifying on that that's incredible <laughs> that's, a, that's a 500 page um chapter book that my dad read and has told me about my entire life that i'll never watch oh my god uh, that like oh man that is horrifying that's so which good. leads the to the to the grim realization that maybe the movie is not as randomly assembled as we theorized yeah, maybe, maybe tinselina <laughs> was like a last ditch attempt to add some levity to it yeah yeah maybe the book's this real dark dystopia yeah <laughs> oh i really want to read that book oh, now. yeah <laughs> Oh god, this these films are so weird. Uh, <laughs> so, do, uh, you guys come up with your own continue the franchises. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Well, other than just a like your your standard live action fear, I I initially settled on on doing a live action remake just because that'd be terrifying. But then I was like, you know what? You know what my continue franchise is going to be? I want to send an actual toaster to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can do the franchise. It's just, a, it's just a like a publicity stunt. Week long live stream of a toaster in space, eventually hitting the ground on why, Mars. It's not why, the, why stop at a toaster? Send a, a lamp, a radio, a vacuum cleaner, a blanket, and a baby. I will. Um, a, a live human baby yeah. <laughs> and a bubble and a bubble. It'll be fine. Oh yeah. The toaster will get it back. He's yeah, yeah. As long as we send enough organic material in a microwave, <laughs> they'll get back. Um, yeah, I, I mean, nothing concrete. Because like, what, I think one of the reasons I hated the second one so much is because I watched it after the third one. And when you watch this, the third one, which is this completely insane film, yeah. everything happens. And then you watch the second one, which is kind of the most normal of all three of them even yeah. though there's all this like virus and weird stuff and there's a monkey that uses the computer we kind of glossed over that um, 
despite all that, it's kind of the most normal one. I think I, that made me resent it. Once you go to Mars, you never uh, yeah, go you can't to the that kind of story again. <laughs> which means if I was going to try and continue the franchise, it, it would be something like what I made a joke about there being a continuation at the end of the third one. Like there'll be mm. a zombie uprising, or you know, maybe when the little master grows up and these appliances are so are somehow still in use, even though they'd all be turning to dust at this point. They, the, you know, maybe like maybe a portal to hell opens. Like I feel like it has to be, you know, like how in I remember I, I remember laughing when I watched your guys's um ready to record video on Scoob because mm. <laughs> at the beginning of that you say, isn't there a tried and tested um formula for Scooby Doo movies that this doesn't adhere to? And I don't know how much Scooby Doo you guys have watched, but that's not been relevant for like twenty years. Wow. Okay? They started that with Scooby Doo and ever since then the monsters have been real and, <laughs> and it's just been batshit insane things. Sometimes they do both. There's a one called the Scooby Doo and the Last Samurai or something, where there's a samurai <laughs> monster and it's yeah it's it's a collaboration between those two things um but yeah, it's, there's a samurai monster and at halfway through the film they go they you know they unmask who's pretending to be the samurai monster and how they did all that and then they're like but now in doing that we woke up the real samurai monster so shaggy and scooby go and learn how to be samurais <laughs> and fight the real samurai monster and none of that is like smoke and mirrors that's just all actually happens at the end of <laughs> so that's what like scooby-doo is and i think like that's what this franchise would have to do it's like you took the original premise throw that away we're done with that now now it's just a toaster a vacuum a lamp a blanket and a radio that do insane shit for yeah, no yeah. reason. You know, yeah. they go to hell and they punch <laughs> the devil in the face the and then they take it over <laughs> and they make Hitler give them a piggyback or something mm. in hell. It just has to be completely insane things that lose the plot more and more every time, I think. That's what it has to be from now. If I yeah. wanted to see it continue the franchise, I want to see one that would make my eyes bleed, like, just in the, the sheer thought of, like, watching it <laughs> would stress my brain out so much it would start to leak from my ears. That's mm. what I want from this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, a sequel that, that um made by people who do not like the original one, so it's just, like, yeah, making exactly. fun of itself the whole way through. Um, I I started thinking. I want one where, where the toaster uses an AK forty seven at one point. Like that's what I'm looking for. Um, Revenge of the brave little toaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> too brave, too toaster. Oh God! The um, cursed, the cursed joke on this podcast. I'm afraid, Carlisle. Sorry. We don't we don't make two something two something jokes anymore. Well, we've never, we've always I been brought, about that. I've come in with my <laughs> European COVID and my two brave two toasters just to just ruin this podcast. Um, yeah, I started thinking of the idea that like, oh, maybe it's like um, this really vintage toaster, and then I realize it's just like Toy Story Two. Um, so I essentially just came up with that. If you, um, but then there's also the other idea, the the abandoned idea for Toy Story Three, but the um, the say the toaster gets recalled. Um, because it, it can explode or something. Um, and so they yeah. would have to go on it. It'd be like the Brave Little Toaster goes to China and they <laughs> would um, have to, find, uh, you know, get him back. That's what nice. I've got. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd have to be something just really dark tone, like something that matches the tone of the book cover of the second yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like where they just walk into the weird dystopia and they're like tortured for days. They're like, we need to overthrow the government. They're like, how? The government overthrow the Chinese appliances. 
Yeah. The Brave Little Toaster Overthrows Communism. <laughs> that is my next movie that I want to see. Uh, all right. So I only got a couple of segments left. Um, it's time to rank that franchise. This is the first time we've done this with a guest because you're actually the first guest we've had uh, this year. Uh, so all 108 franchises we've covered on the podcast. Uh, we've got here, I'm going to add Brave Little Toaster. Uh, any kind of uh, inklings of around where it should go? Where is um, Look Who's Talking? Uh, Look Who's Talking is sitting comfortably at... Scroll down quite a bit. Keep going. 89. What's above Air it? Buddies and Machete. I think... <laughs> what's above Air Buddies? Pupstar. What's above Pupstar? Air Bud. I reckon put this between between earbud and pupstar <laughs> all right um you... so you'd rather you'd rather watch this again than the pop stars again yes oh. but earbud probably has more overall they're very they're, i'm it feels right at home in the earbud pocket of the ranking i i, I probably think pupstar pupstar at least has a couple of good songs oh that's a good point all right behind pupstar yeah that's that's yeah. that's a toe up on this yeah. franchise Brave Little Toaster is now at number 88 between Pupstar and Air Buddies. So not quite as good as Pupstar, <laughs> but better than Air Buddies. And definitely better than uh, Cats and Dogs. <laughs> yeah. Which is all the way down at number 96. <laughs> uh, Alright, cool. Saving that. Uh, Alright, now it's time to get our next franchise. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, all right, I so how are we so. going to do uh, when we've got a guest, which you know hasn't been for a wee while? Uh, Normally, we'll get you to give us a number, then uh, shall we, Carlisle? So okay. your choices are <laughs> one, two, okay, three, four. <laughs> you, pick a number between one and one hundred and seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, uh, can I look uh, at it and, ma- and make you guess at this time? Okay, fine. Whew, okay, uh, well, let's go for. 85. 85. Okay. Um, I don't know a lot about this. There's four films, um, and I think they're horror movies, and the title is Two Words and the Words Rhyme. Fright Night. Fright Night! (laughs) (laughs) There are vampire movies, I believe. Oh, very cool. I I, I was... I'm not lying. I was genuinely about to say Freak Street. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the F- Fright Fright Night is a 1985 American hom- horror film written and directed by Tom Holland. <laughs> oh, that's wow. cool. That Tom Holland, star wow. of Spider Man, uh, directed a film before he was born. <laughs> that's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well, tune yeah. in next week for the Fright Night series. Yeah. So it's two two films and then uh, a, remake a remake and a sequel. Mm. The classic formula. Yeah. So Fright Night, Fright Night Part 2, uh, then Fright Night, the remake in 2011, and then Fright Night 2, New Blood. Yeah. So there's This will be your, re- two, your first time covering a big horror. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I did Final Destination. Does that count? <laughs> no. Okay. Why would it not? Well, <laughs> hey, thank you for, for listening, everybody. Um, Carlisle, where can people find your show? Hi, so um, shows as as AJ alluded to at the beginning. I do as Richard alluded to at the beginning. I do I do a lot of things, but I'll, I'll mention uh, one thing I do. Uh, I do a, a show called a podcast for everyone, 
um, which is a show where me and my friend Charlie, who couldn't join us today, but did the last time we were both on this, um, uh, we we go through songs by a British uh, pop rock band called Busted, and they have very silly lyrics, and we try to weave all of their songs into one long ongoing narrative, as well as kind of, you know, just rate and review the songs mm. um we've actually had both of these wonderful boys on it uh richard turns out is the only <laughs> new zealand busted fan in the world and possibly the biggest busted fan in the world uh so he comes on and talks to us about that and aj joined us one time and i think was just glad to be there um, is that episode out yet <laughs> sorry is that episode out that episode's out yeah that's that, uh maybe is it what were you on I don't uh, think it is because we were no, it's not yet. We need to we would we would post yeah. it on all our channels if it was. Yeah. yeah so you, so look out for that. There's uh, that coming out. But I also I have a channel where I do lots of uh, music. I'm on Spotify and all that. Uh, recently, I've been during quarantine just doing a bunch of little covers and stuff. So if any of those interest you, you can check that out on my channel. But I've also got a lot of original music. I actually, just did a cover of a busted song. Mm. Released it today mm. as of recording. So there you go. Maybe you could do a cover of He Waved a Bill. <laughs> that would be very special. Maybe. I'd have to listen to it again. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it of... as we start recording. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Oh, no a time. worries. And if you want to find us, Carlisle, um, you can find us at Cold Popshire at all the places. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Media, gmail.com. You can email that. Uh, but what I'd actually recommend, if you truly want to get in touch with us, um, is to join our Discord server, which there'll be a link to in the show notes, along with all these links, um, because the Discord is where it's at, dude, and so much stuff happens on the Discord. You're on the Discord, aren't you, Carlisle? Yeah, I was about to say, you can also find me on that Discord, no. so if you want to knock all three of us out at once, there join the Cold Popture Discord. There you go. <laughs> um, any final final words on Brave Little Toaster, or are we putting this to bed? Brave go, Little go. Toaster, the franchise? No, Brave Little Toaster, the bagel. <laughs> Welcome along, everybody, to the post-credit scenes. Sacred um, little scene, scene just for as, you. As we're, huh? It's a secret little scene. Yeah, I said you. scenes, though, revealing that, yes, we do record these in a bunch, and no, <laughs> we don't know what episode these will be on, but we do know that this episode will have just been on the Brave Little Toaster episode. We do know that much. Mm. <laughs> don't know anything else. <laughs> um, so, this is, a, this is a segment of our show brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash where if you donate $5 or more per month, such a small amount of money you get to give us a little topic of discussion at the end of these episodes and today our first post credits scene of this recording session of which you will only be privy to one for this episode i need to stop acting like you're getting more than one um <laughs> comes to us from matthew vose who says verbatim this is what he says best depiction of baking in film and he doesn't specify um if he, if it's the act of baking or a piece of baking, right, 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 right. Yeah, so a cake could count, but also a ma- making of a cake could count. Do you, you bake a cake, eh? It rhymes. Yeah. That's why it's called a cake because <laughs> you cook it and bake it. Do you think that's why? What? Why do you cook a cake? What? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's like baking is a type of cooking. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, Richard, I have an answer for this right off the bat. Coming in and swinging. Oh, my gosh. I think the definitive best example of baking in film is from a little TV show that I cherish. Right, so it's uh, not even from film. No. Right, um, so you're not actually going to answer was, this question. Okay, cool. It was live action, so it was shot. I was going to say it's shot on film. I doubt it was. It was probably shot on digital. Um but from a little TV show that I've talked about a few times over the years on Cold Pop Show that not a lot of people have seen, but that I am obsessed with. And that little TV show, Richard, is called Pushing Daisies, um, which, if you haven't seen it, is an excellent little Tim Burton-esque, wholesome, romantic dramedy. It's funny, um, you cut out the, for like quite a bit just then, but I know exactly what you would have said. <laughs> um, came out in the the late, late 2000s, yeah. Um, and I, it got cancelled after two seasons. And in my in my humble opinion, it is the best show to ever get cancelled. It has that title for me. So, the baking in Pushing Daisies, is, is the main character is a pie maker, and so he makes heaps of pies, and they always look really good. There's one there's one that's that features in the show a lot. That's like, I think it's like a pear pie with Gruyere cheese baked into the crust always sounded real nice um and i really liked the show i liked it so much that um i started making strawberry pies to impress because like, they make heaps of strawberry pies in it and so i started making strawberry pies when i was in high school um because in new zealand a pie i just had one actually it's typically a meat ordeal <laughs> You, you know, you've got your steak and cheese pies and your mince pies. And mince, for our overseas listeners, is what we call ground beef in New Zealand mm. and Australasia, I think. Um, So I started making strawberry pies because fruit pies weren't that common here. And I really enjoyed it. I don't have much else to say other than I can make a pretty mean strawberry pie. So if mm. Richard, I don't think I ever made you one. So next time you're in town, we should make a strawberry pie together. No. Nah. Okay. Do you have any examples? I of do. This baking uh, I was going to say that um, in Kiki's Delivery Service, which is about a young witch, um, it's a mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli film. It's about a young witch who delivers baked goods, and mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli is famous for its food looking real tasty. Mm. And so, yeah, two very quirky examples delivered from yeah. both of us today. Isn't oh, it's like quirky. <laughs> I love <laughs> Amelie. Oh I'm just different. I'm just different from other girls, dude. I play ukulele. 